Tonight I'm beginning a series called The Significance of Radha Krishna Devotion in Kaliyug. So it means we're going to be talking about, first of all, what is the importance of bhakti? And more specifically, what is the significance of doing devotion to Radha and Krishna? And also, how does it change being in Kaliyug? During this whole entire series, I'm going to be explaining based on one single Vedic mantra. Tameva viditvati mrityumeti nanya pantha vidyate yanaya. Which literally means, only by knowing him can he cross that. So what is that which needs to be crossed? The ocean of material existence, maya. Who is that whom we need to know in order to cross maya? God. And of course the one who needs to know is us, the souls. So three things are referred to in this verse. God, the souls, and Maya. And based on this, we're going to talk about doing bhakti to Radha Krishna in Kaliyug. What is the significance of that? So starting off, we have to talk about what is the need for doing devotion? What is the need for knowing God? To understand about this, we have to think about the motivation behind our actions. Why do we do what we do? Tarshan Shastra says, Prayojana manuddishya mandopi na pravartate. Nobody, even a complete fool, does any action without having some motivation behind it. So everybody has a reason for everything that they do, even someone who's considered to be insane. Now here someone may think that, well, if someone is insane, how can they have a reason for what they do? If they're insane, it means they must be acting with no reason. But if that were the case, then all of us would be acting with no reason as well. Yes, that's right. I'm saying we're all crazy, insane. Not by the normal definition of this world, but by a more subtle definition, you can say that all of us are out of our mind, out of our senses. If you think about it, <clears throat> if someone falls and hits their head, what do you ask them to make sure they're okay? When they open their eyes, you ask them, do you know who you are? Do <laughs> you know what your name is? So if they don't give the right answer to that, you know there's something wrong in here. If someone asks you, who are you? Or ask anybody in this world, who are you? We answer with our name. I am Ramesh, I am John, I am George, I am Nidhi. We give a name. But then you could say to that person, if you've requested 
them to introduce themselves to you and they give their name, you could say, no, 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 I'm not asking for your name. I want to know who you are. Please tell me who are you. Well, normally, if someone asks me that, I give my name. So what do you, what do you want to know? Okay, um, I'm a doctor. You may tell them what you do for a living, what your post is. I'm a minister, I'm a lawyer, I'm a doctor, I'm a teacher, I'm a nurse. No, 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 I'm not asking what you do for a living. I want to know who you are. They may think more deeply and say, okay, then I'm a, I'm Gujarati. I'm American. I'm Punjabi, whatever our cultural heritage is. Then again, you say, no, 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 I don't want to know what your cultural background is. Who are you? See, you told me your name, your name changes in every life. Your name was assigned to you by your parents or by a Panditji in this life. It wasn't the same name in the last life. It won't be the same name in your next life. Your job that you're doing, you may change that many times in one lifetime, let alone from life to life. So how can that be your identity? I want you to tell me your true identity. Your name is not your identity. Your job is not your true identity. Your cultural background is not your true identity because if you're born Gujarati in this life, you may be born Punjabi in your next life. Who knows? Okay, okay, I'm human. I'm a human being. No, that's not correct either. That's not your true identity. This word manushya comes because all human beings are descended from manu. Swayambhu manu. So again, you're just describing your body. You've been born as a deer, as a rabbit, as a horse, as a tree. So telling me what body you're in, that doesn't tell me anything. I want to know who are you. The person may give up. Or they may say, well, I've read in the scriptures that uh, I am the soul. I am Atma. No, 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 don't tell me what you've read about. Tell me what you've experienced. I want to know your direct experience. Who are you? I can't help you. You're confusing me. So it means you don't even know who you are. You should be in the insane asylum. And if the person says, at that point, if they have some spiritual knowledge, they may say, in fact, my dear friend, I already am in the Pagal Khana. I already am in the insane asylum because this whole sansar, this whole world, a Bhagwan ka bada Pagal Khana hai. For all the souls who don't know who they are, those who identify with their body, I am... George, I'm John, I'm Ramesh, I'm Dinesh, or I'm a human being. Those who identify with their physical body don't actually know who they are. And even if they have the theoretical knowledge, they have no direct experience of who they are. They haven't actually experienced the divinity of their own self, their own soul. So it means if we don't know who we are, by a certain definition, we can certainly be considered to be crazy. And this whole world can be considered to be a hospital for all those who do not know who they are. And we're kept here until we remember or until we learn or experience who we are.
So God, who's the owner and creator of this big mental hospital for all of us, he also sends doctors in this world. We call those doctors God-realized saints. Bhagavat Prapta Mahapurush. They come in this world to treat us. They try to explain the theory that you're not the this impermanent body or the divine and eternal soul and you belong to God. And we say, I think you're crazy. You're telling me I'm crazy? But what you're saying sounds crazy to me. See, we think if someone like a some saint, some divine personality says, Oh, what are the enjoyments of this world? True happiness is God. We think, you gave up the enjoyments of this world for God? To me, that sounds crazy. That's what we think. Oh, Mr. Mahapurush, you must be crazy because you think there's no enjoyment in this world. And the saint looks at us who are totally immersed in the trials and tribulations of this world and trying to get by on a little bit of happiness that we find here and there. And in order to do all of that, we renounce God. The saint thinks that is crazy. <laughs> so, in other words, we're not even ready to accept the doctor as being a qualified doctor. Whatever the saints are telling us, first of all, we have to accept that we need to be treated, right? If a, That's also kind of a sign of insanity. Someone who has truly lost their mind doesn't have the sense to realize that they've lost their mind. That is the truth in our case. We think we're fine. So when the saints come and tell us that, no, true happiness is in God, we think... That doesn't sound right to me. I'm fine right here. So anyway, this whole world, this is a hospital where saints come as doctors to treat the souls. Those who accept their condition and try to follow the treatment prescribed by the saints, they can be cured, they can realize their true divine self, and they can attain God. So then they would be released from this hospital, and they can go and stay in the divine abode with God. The point of all of this is that even an insane person, every single person, no matter who they are, they all perform actions with some reason. They have a prayojan. Now someone may say, I think I know of one exception. Kalbinu swaratha those who are evil at heart, they just like to see others suffer. They don't have a reason behind it. In other words, they're not gaining anything personally by causing suffering to another. They just do it. So it's, it would seem that they have some, uh, they have no prayojan behind their action. There are four kinds of people in the world generally. There are those who will sacrifice their own happiness for another's happiness. There are those 
who will at least try, meaning the first kind of person, he wants to make someone else happy and he's willing to sacrifice his own happiness in order to do that. Then there are other people, they'll try to make others happy, but for their own happiness as well. They have to get something out of it. Then there are those people who will try to cause harm to others because it makes them feel happy. And then there are those who just want to cause harm to others even though they're getting no benefit from it. Meaning the third type of person, in order to get what he wants, he'll, he's willing to cause harm to others. But the fourth type of person, even though he's getting nothing, not getting any benefit, he'll still try to cause harm to others. So here's one, this seems like one example of someone who does work with no prayojan. He performs karma with no aim in mind. He's not getting anything out of it. There's another such example of a different kind, but also a type of individual who seems to perform karma with no prayojan. Bhurja taru sama santa kripala parahita sahanita bipati vishala par upakar vachan manakaya santa sahaj swabhav khagraya Saints try to help other people and they get nothing in return. In other words, it seems like they have no prayojan. They have no reason to help others, yet they do it anyway. And Sri Krishna fully admits this in the Gita for his own self. Name parthasti kartavyam Varta eva chakarmani. Arjun, I have no prayojan. I have no need to attain anything in this world. I have nothing that I need to do. I have no kartavya. Yet I perform karma. So here you have God performing karma with no reason. God realized saints performing karma with no reason. And those who are evil at heart performing karma with no reason. However, if you look more deeply, you will find there is a reason. Someone who is evil at heart actually feels disturbed seeing someone else's good fortune and wishes harm on that person to relieve themselves from that suffering. They suffer when they see someone else happy, so they want to make that person unhappy because that will make them happy. Seeing someone else unhappy will make them happy. So happiness is their aim. A saint... When a saint sees someone unhappy, the saint feels unhappy. 
When the saint sees someone happy, the saint feels happy. So why do saints and God try to help people? Because seeing others happy makes them happy. So you see, everyone is doing all of this work for the sake of happiness. So everyone has a reason, whether they are mayadheen, mayatit, or mayadhish. Mayadheen, us souls, under the bondage of maya. Mayatit, God realized souls who are beyond maya, and mayadhish, Bhagwan, God who is the owner and controller of maya. <clears throat> All these three types of personalities have a prayojan for every karma that they do. So, let's just talk about us, the ordinary souls. Why do we do what we do? If we, you know, made some effort to get a big notepad and pen or pencil and try to note down the reasons why people do what they do, you would think that you would have to just keep writing forever. Because people have so many desires, and their desires keep changing from minute to minute. One minute we want one thing, one minute we want the next thing, one minute we want to watch TV, the next minute we want to go for a walk, the next minute we want to visit with our friend, the next minute we're hungry, we want to eat something tasty. So when one single person has so many desires, if you tried to add up all the desires of all the people in Queens or in New York City or in the United States of America or in the whole world, it would be an endless list. However, it's not the case. Today I'm going to prove to you that every single person desires only one thing, and that one thing is God. Loke nahi sabidyeta yo narama manubrata valmiki ramayana. There never has been, nor is there, nor will there ever be such a soul who is not perfectly anuvrat to Ram. Anuvrat means having exclusive love for God, desiring only God. Every soul is like that? Yes. Every soul desires only God and nothing else. It means every soul is a perfect astic, theist, a believer in God. I'll prove that to you today, and I'll prove to you that God is the only thing that we desire. Here again, someone may think, that doesn't seem likely. When the world is full of all the pairs of opposites, like day and night, beauty and ugliness, life and death, good and evil, believers and non-believers, those who love God, those who do not love God, then how is it possible to prove that every single person, even those who profess not to believe in God or love God, every single person is a true believer in God and desires only God and nothing else. Well, there's a science behind it. You'll have to understand. <clears throat> 
Let's come back to our desires. If you ask someone, what do you want? They may start with something like, uh, well, I want the New York Giants to win the Super Bowl. That's what you want? Yes, I'm a lifelong Giants fan. Nothing in this world, I don't think I have any greater desire. I'm a season ticket holder. I go to all the football games. I only want this the most, more than anything, for the New York Giants to win the Super Bowl. Okay, but why do you want the New York Giants to win the Super Bowl? Because seeing them win will make me happy. See? What do you actually want? Happiness. Ask someone else, what do you want? What's your greatest desire? I want to become a millionaire. Why do you want so much money? Because when I have money, then I can buy things and I can enjoy those things. I can get things that look nice, nice paintings. I can buy all the food I want, things that taste good. I can buy all the music I want, things that sound nice. I can go on vacations and visit places and do things that I want that I couldn't do if I didn't have money. Okay, then why do you want to own all these things and do all these things and visit all these places? Because that will give me sensual enjoyment. I can enjoy the world through my five senses. So why do you want to enjoy things? Why do you want to see, smell, taste, touch, hear? Because doing all of that will bring me happiness. Again, it comes back to being happy. You ask a child, what do you want? I want to pass this grade with top marks. Why do you want to do that? Because I want to go to the next grade. Okay, so the goal of your life is to study? No, 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 no. By studying and getting good grades here in my elementary school, I'll get to go to the high school of my choice. Oh, so the goal of your life is to go to a good high school? No, no, no. If I get into a good high school, and then again I study hard, then I'll get to go to the college or university of my choice. Maybe go to Harvard or Princeton, some Ivy League school. Oh, so the goal of your life is to be a college graduate? No, 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 no. You see, if I get a good college degree from a good university, I'll get a good job. Really? You're doing all of this just to get a job? To work for somebody? No, no, no. That's not the real goal. The real goal is that by getting that good job, I'll get money. We're back to money. Why do you want money? Again, same thing. I can buy things. I can do things. I can go places. And why do you want to do all of that and own all of that? Because it will make me happy. So we keep coming back to happiness. <clears throat> happiness is like the center of the wheel and all the other desires are like spokes emanating from that central point. It means that the desire for happiness is our original desire. And the other desires are created in order to fulfill the original desire for happiness. You can say that the desire for happiness is the demanding desire. 
and the other desires are fulfilling desires. Sarvesham apibhutanam ripasvatmaiva ballabha itare patya vittadhyas tadvallabhatayaivahi The Bhagavatam says, don't think that you actually desire other things. All those other desires are only to fulfill your true desire for happiness. <clears throat> Why do we want to get married? Because getting married, we hope, will make us happy. Why do people want to have children? They have the same thing in mind. Having children will make me happy. Everything we do is for happiness. Sukhaya karmani karoti loko natai sukham vanyaduparamam va vindetabhuyas tataiva dukham yadatrayuktam bhagavan vadena bhagavatam. Everybody is only seeking happiness. The truth is they find more dukh. Even though they're seeking sukh, they find more dukh. But that doesn't change the fact that they're only hoping for happiness. All of our seemingly contradictory actions, they're all for the same thing. What I mean is, let's say you're standing and then you get tired. So you decide, I want to sit now. So why did you sit? For happiness. After a while of sitting, maybe you get tired of sitting and you want to stand again. So why did you stand? For happiness. So you stood for happiness, you sat for happiness. When you've been sleeping for a long time, you get tired of lying in bed. Even a lazy person can't stay in bed forever. He gets tired of lying in bed. He gets up. Why? For happiness. When he's been up all day, then again he feels tired and he wants to lie down and sleep again. So he gets up for happiness, he sleeps for happiness, he laughs for happiness, and he even cries for happiness. When someone feels very sad for something and you see them crying very hard, you might think, uh, why are you crying? On one hand, you're sad, and on the other hand, you're making it worse by crying. No, I'm not making it worse, I'm making it better. By crying, I'm getting all that heat of the sadness out. I'm relieving myself by crying. So we laugh to be happy, we cry to be happy. Everything we do is only for happiness. Sometimes we feel like being alone, that's because we think that will make us happy. Then later on, we want some company, we want to be with friends or family, that's also for happiness. Sometimes we want to be in a loud, boisterous environment. Other times we want to be in a quiet, peaceful environment. But all for happiness. Even in the devotional field, Chaitanya Mahaprabhuji says, Sangam viraha vikalpe varamiha viraho na sangamastasmat 
संगे स इह तथैकस्त्रिभुवन मपितन्मयमिरहे He says even in the case of a devotee tears of longing and separation for Krishna are considered to be higher than the feeling of meeting when you meet him you feel happy and your meditation when you feel Krishna close to you you feel a thrill a thrill of joy devotional happiness but chaitanya mahaprabhu ji says the fire and the sweet pang of longing that a devotee feels in separation for krishna is considered even greater those tears of longing are considered even greater because in meeting the devotee or the saint the god realized saint as the case may be sees krishna at only one place but in viraha krishna is felt in every particle of the whole world like he is everywhere so in milan you see krishna at one place and in viraha the whole world becomes the form of krishna in other words <clears throat> smiling and tears they're all only for happiness so it means all of these uncountable desires that people have actually they're just different faces of the original desire for happiness no one can stop desiring happiness even if they try for a million years to think about desiring to be unhappy they'll fail now traditionally philosophers have also said no 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 there are more than just one goal of human life there are some others in general people talk of five happiness is one but they say jivan gyan anand swatantrata or sabparshasan these are the five things that people desire jivan life we want to live forever we don't want to die <clears throat> one time a man who had a very difficult living He had a very difficult life. He was a woodcutter. He used to toil all day long in the forest cutting wood, then picking up the wood, carrying it on his head, taking it to town to sell. Even in the heat of the summer he had to do this just to eke out a living for his family. So one day when it was so hot and he was carrying this wood through the forest, he felt dizzy and he just threw the wood down and sat down under the shade of a tree and he just thought to himself and <clears throat> said out loud i am so wretched even death has turned his face away from me so yamraj the god of death heard the words of the man and he thought let me play a trick on him he appeared oh i have heard your words and i have taken pity on you i have not turned my face away from you i have come for you personally come let's go The man said, "No, no, 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 no. Um, I have a family. I have to take care of them. What will they do? I'm not ready to go now. I was just kidding. I didn't mean it." <laughs> The next time someone says to you, uh, "Oh, I'd be better off dead. I wish I were dead," you can test this theory by 
putting your hands around their neck and see what reaction you get. What are you doing? Well, I'm just doing you a favor. You said you'd rather be dead. No, 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 I didn't mean it. It's just a saying. So none of us wants to die. It doesn't matter how sick a person becomes, they always think of living one more minute, one more moment. So this desire for life is in everyone. Even a, a little insect, a little ant that's crawling around, if you put your thumb over it like that, it will run the other way. That nature is in every living being of self-preservation, the desire to live. Number two, the desire for gyan, knowledge. This is also deeply ingrained in us. We spend all day, every day, accumulating knowledge. Surreptitiously, it means chori chori. We watch other people. How do they dress? Then we learn. And we try to also dress in some way. We watch how do people walk. How do they talk? How do they interact? We don't tell them that we're watching and learning from them, but we're learning. We're always watching others. And then we adopt the things that we think are good for us. And when someone tells us something, what's our automatic reaction? Oh yes, I knew that. So we want knowledge. We want full, complete knowledge. Number three, anand. We desire happiness. That we already talked about. <clears throat> Number four, svatantrata. We desire to be, to have total freedom. If you were offered the choice between a luxurious life in jail or a simple life of freedom, everyone would choose the life of freedom. Because we don't want to be held down. We don't want to be limited in any way. We want to be totally free. Number five, Sapparshasan. We want everybody to do what we want. We don't want to have to do what anybody else wants. We want everybody... Sab hamari baat mane. That's what we want. You see, a child follows his parents' instructions majburi se. If he's a, you know, he's been brought up properly, he knows it's correct to respect his elders. So he does what he's told, not because he wants to, because he knows it's right. But, but what does his mind want? What does his heart want? His heart wants to do what he wants. If the child had his way, his father would do whatever he told him to do. His mother would listen to his every desire. And it doesn't change as we grow older. We don't want to follow the instructions of our boss. We don't want to obey traffic laws even. We do it out of fear of getting caught and fined. But we don't want to have any shasan over us. We want to be totally free and everyone else should fulfill our every wish and follow our every desire. These are the five types of desires that people have. Yet, if you again look at them individually, why do we want to live? So we can find happiness. Why do we want knowledge? Because getting that knowledge is a way of getting happiness. Why do we want to be free? 
because being free will make us happy. And why do we want to have power or control over everything? Because we believe that will make us happy. So again, the desire for happiness is our only deepest desire. All those other desires are simply fulfilling desires. So you could say the only thing we desire is to be happy. There are other traditions, like you have Jain Dharm, Baud Dharm. Within Sanatan Dharm, you have six schools of philosophy, the six Darshan Shastras, Purva Mimansa, Nyai, Vaisheshik, Sankhya, Yoga Darshan, and finally Brahma Sutra. Other than the Brahma Sutra, the five schools of philosophy of Sanatan Dharma, plus Baudh Dharma, plus Jain Dharma, they all talk of Dukkha Nivritti, freedom from suffering. And Vedanta Darshan, the Brahma Sutra, goes beyond that and talks of attaining bliss, happiness. So are the two one and the same? See, Vallabhacharya, he's also a great Rasik Mahapurush in this tradition of Rasik saints who taught Raganuga Bhakti. Vallabhacharya ji was a great, great saint. So he taught that out of the four traditional Purusharth, Dharma, Arth, Kam, Moksha, he reduced that down to two. He said that Arth, wealth, that is actually meant to be used for dharma. You need to have, if you have wealth, you can give more charity. And dharma is supposed to lead to moksha. Moksha means total release from maya, complete release from all suffering. So arth leads to dharma, it should. Dharma leads to moksha, that's one aim. Dukkha Nivritti, total release from suffering. And the fourth Purusharth, Kaam. He says that means the desire for divine happiness. So you have two desires. The desire to be free from suffering and the desire to enjoy happiness. Are the two really the same thing? No. Because if you get Dukkha Nivritti, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have Ananda Prapti. But if you get Anand, it includes Dukkha Nivritti. You think about it. If you're experiencing Anand, absolute happiness, it means perfect happiness. Which means it must be free from all suffering. But if you're free from suffering, do you get absolute happiness? No, and you have the own proof from your own experience because you all get Dukkha Nivritti every night when you go to sleep. When you fall asleep, you're thinking, So jau, so jau, so jau, so gaya. It's like you, you fall asleep. So that moment when you fall asleep, that's the moment where you're free from all the cares. You go into sushupti, 
where you have no thoughts, even no dreams. You're totally free from any experience or any thought. So you're free from suffering. Let's say you're extremely depressed and sad about something. Someone close to you just passed away. It's bothering you all the time. You feel so sad. You go to sleep, you forget about it totally. You wake up in the morning, then you remember. Oh, something was bothering me? Oh yeah, that thing. Then you feel sad again. But when you were asleep, you forgot about it totally. You are relieved from your suffering during your sleep. But during that sleep, although you were relieved from suffering, you are not experiencing happiness because you're not experiencing anything. You're in sushupti. No experience, no thoughts. So no unhappiness, no happiness. So you are free from suffering when you're in sushupti state. But you're not experiencing happiness. So it means dukhnivritti does not include ananda prapti. But ananda prapti includes dukhnivritti because if you're happy, it means you're not sad. It's like saying... <clears throat> I'm rich, then do you also have to say, and I'm not poor. <laughs> I have anand, it means you don't have unhappiness. I'm perfectly healthy, and I have no disease. You don't have to say that. Just by saying I'm healthy, it means you're free from disease. By saying I have anand, it means you're free from suffering. So again we see, the one true aim that every soul has is the desire for happiness. What is that happiness? There's a story from our Vedas. Brigu one day, Brigu is an eternal saint. He went to his father, Varun, and he said, Please tell me about God. What is God? What is Brahm? Bhrigur vai varunihi pitaram upasasar adhihi bhagavo brahmeti. What is God, father? His father said, actually, God can't be explained into words, but I can tell you a little something. Yato va imani bhutani jayante yena jatani jivanti yat. God is the one from whom all the souls and this whole world came, in whom everything is currently existing and into whom everything returns at the time of Mahapralay, the dissolution of the universe. That is God. <coughs> But again, these are just words. So if you really want to know God, you have to do sadhana. Satapo tapyata satapas tapva. He sent his son Brigu to go and do sadhana. Go and do devotion to God. Do tap. And try to get the experience. So then you won't just have a theoretical knowledge of what God is. You'll actually know from your own experience. So he went. And he did tapasya. And after a long time, he came back and he said, Father, I think I have understood that riddle you told me. His father said, Oh, 
said, yes, I have the answer. Annam Brahmeti Vijanat. I think that Ann is Brahm. <coughs> Ann, you know, like uh, grain, rice, wheat, food that we eat. That must be God according to the riddle that you told me. Because we all come from food. We are supported by food and we all become food in the end. Yeah, you eat, right? Your body digests it. It enters your bloodstream. It nourishes your soul, your uh, cells. Becomes a part of your body. Your body also uses that same nourishment to create reproductive fluid. And out of that, when the male reproductive fluid joins with the female eggs, then a new body is born. So you see... The body is born from food. It is supported by food and in the end when it decomposes it goes back into the earth and it's absorbed by the roots of plants and again it becomes food that's eaten by someone else. So according to your definition, Father, it seems like God is Anna. His Father just remained quiet. In other words, no. You haven't understood. Go and do more tapasya. So he went. He did more tapasya. Again he came back, thinking he had the answer, and he said, Oh Father, prano brahmeti vijanat. He went to a deeper level and he said, Pran, the uh, life force, the energy of the body, that must be God. Again, his father did not accept his answer and he went back and he did more tapasya. The third time he came back and he said, Mano Brahmeti Vijanat. Oh Father, the mind is God. Again his father said no. He went and did more tapasya, came back and said, Vijyanam Brahmeti Vijanat. Oh Father, the soul is God. See, he's going deeper and deeper and deeper. First he was on the physical level, Anna. The, then he went deeper, talking about the actual energy of the body, the life force of the body. Then he went to an even subtler level, the man, the mind. Then he went to an even subtler level, the divine soul. But again his father said no. So he went and he did more tapasya. And this time when he came back, he said, Anando Brahmeti Vijanat. And his father said, Yes, finally you have understood. God is Anand. What is Anand? Anand means perfect happiness, unlimited, of no end. That kind of divine happiness, that is God. So happiness is in God? No. Happiness is God. Anando Brahma. He didn't say Anando Brahmir, meaning in God. Anand is in God. No. Like Raso Vaisaha. God is Ras. He is happiness. Ved didn't say Rasovai Tasmin. There's happiness in God. No. 
like a rasgulla. Before it became a rasgulla, it was just a gulla. You had the ras over there, the sweet syrup, and you had a dry ball of milk solids. So you added the ras to it, then it became sweet. So is God like that? Like God is one thing and anand is another thing. You put the anand in God and then he becomes ras? No. He is ras. Like uh, honey or sugar, that's the form of sweetness. Is there any process by which you can make sugar not to be sweet? No. <laughs> sugar is the form of sweetness. Like the ocean, sometimes we say there's a lot of water in the ocean. No, there's not water in the ocean, like as if the ocean is a dry basin and you put water in it. The ocean means that huge reservoir of water. The, the water itself is called the ocean. So the unlimited ocean of divine bliss is God. That is what He is. So it means we're desiring happiness and happiness is God. I told you today I was going to prove to you that every soul is ostic. Meaning every soul desires only God and nothing else. So I started by telling you or explaining to you that every soul desires happiness. Now I've explained to you that in fact desiring happiness and desiring God are one and the same thing. So that it means if someone is desiring happiness, they're desiring God. And who doesn't desire happiness? Everybody desires happiness. It's our nature. It can't be changed. It's not a learned thing. We didn't learn to desire happiness. We do desire happiness. Everybody. And happiness is God. So it means instead of saying, I only desire to be happy, you could say, I only desire God. I desire happiness and nothing else. You could say, I desire God and nothing else. So even the person who professes to be a Gnostic, a non-believer in God, even that person only desires happiness, so he only desires God. But the question still remains, why do we desire God? Why do we desire happiness? Okay, we can accept that we do desire happiness, but just like a little kid keeps asking, why? Why? You know, kids have that, they get to a certain age where no matter what their parents say, the next question is, why? Why? We have that nature also. So, okay, we desire happiness, but why do we desire happiness? There's a reason behind this as well. You can come and hear that tomorrow when I continue this series. Bolye Vrindavan Bihari Lal Ki